Hey, it's Kevin O'Connor. I've got some big news for you. The Mismatch is hosting its first ever live show in Los Angeles at the El Rey Theater on March 6th. Me and Chris Vernon are going to be there. I'm fired up about it. At the El Rey Theater, there's been performers like Bob Dylan and Kendrick Lamar and Rage Against the Machine and Licky Lee. I'm fired up. Get to be on that stage with my guy, Chris Vernon. We've been together since 2016 doing NBA podcasts, and now we're going to get to meet a lot of you who have listened to our show for so many years. We'll do a Q&A at the end. We might have some special guests, but we're definitely going to be talking basketball. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited about it. Tickets are going fast, though, so be sure to head to com to get your tickets now. Doors are going to open at 7 p.m., and the show is going to be starting right at 8 o'clock. Let's go, baby. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Draft Show. My name is Danny Heifetz. I am joined by Danny, Kelly, and Ben Slocum. We are here hello. in person in Indianapolis. What was that hello? That was good. <laughs> I always... <laughs> snuck it in there. I always... Any, every time you do the intro, I always do a little... <laughs> I always just make a sound. <laughs> and this time it was hello. What's well, That's a word. That's not a sound. I, right. La- the last episode was, hey. <laughs> Usually you just keep rolling. <laughs> it's his thing. Yes. Just okay. go. All right. Anyway. All right. So we're here at the Combine. Coming to you, NFL Draft Show, till the draft, obviously. It's at the end of April. We're in Indy for the Combine, which is like a giant job fair, except if it's like Soviet Russia, it's like, in Soviet Russia, we force you to work for us. That was bad. I don't know. That's work. You get it. <laughs> just, a, just a quick Soviet comment Russia. on socialism. <laughs> I don't know. I'm always just amazed that it's like a job interview, but like if they like you, you have to work yeah. for them. That's all. No, I agree. We largely have gotten rid of drafts as it's a society, weird. but this one we're still pretty stoked about. It's just the army and this anyway. We're really getting into it, right? I know. We're really on in this. Like so, throwing haymakers. Siaka Ika is pretty nice. There we go. Thank you for so that. So we're going to just go through everything that we've kind of been hearing about these prospects and DK and Solak and all their absolute nerdiness and all the wingspans and all the weird stuff. The workouts start today. It's Thursday afternoon. Um, again, once again, before we get into the weird, silly stuff, we do have some of something serious. The Jalen Carter situation is Georgia defensive tackle. We went into the whole deal kind of yesterday, right at the beginning of yesterday's show. So if you want the whole deal, uh, you can go through that. But he, there was a warrant out for his arrest for reckless driving. Uh, and he left Indianapolis mm-hmm. and went to Georgia and turned was himself booked. in, was booked, and came back yep. in like t- le- less than 24 hours, I think. Yep. And yep. now he's just there on the field. Like, as we speak? Yeah, we are, right now, the on-field workouts are starting for the defensive lineman. He is down there. I don't know if he's going to be testing at all, but... I think he was never planning on testing. 
But so, yeah, he was booked on reckless driving and racing charges. He paid a $4,000 bond. It was released at 11.50 p.m. Eastern time last night. That's from Ian Rappaport and Tom Pelissero. So, and as far as of midnight yesterday, Wednesday, he was in Georgia. This morning, he is here. And yeah. now he's in Indy finishing the process. And again, we don't really know what the implications are yet. So we're just going to wait to let this kind of play out before we really comment on anything. So, yeah. Yeah, this is weird. It is All weird. Right. Cool. So we'll talk about the other stuff. Uh, other than the massive elf in the room, everything else going on with the draft. Yes. I feel like the vibe mm-hmm. that we've been getting here, DK, Solak. Yep. Has talked to a lot of people. Smart. He's talked to other smart people. This draft class suck. Nah, it's too too far. Too strong. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> the big vibe um, here, right? So like, what have what you been hearing? Yeah, the sense that I get from everybody is that it's not a very good class. We like those, those excitement of the quarterback class. The, the top four guys are going to go early, and it's great to have four quarterbacks who go early. Like, I was going back, and I was looking at grades, and assuming all four of these quarterbacks grade out as round one grades for me, which I think is, I would expect, I haven't finished grading them, it'd be the first class that that's happened for since a couple of years ago, when it was uh, just Fields, Trevor Lawrence... Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. You don't usually see that many first-round grades. So quarterback is is strong at the top. That's nice. That's good news. Uh, after those dudes and like Carter Anderson, nobody like right. it, it's a great draft to have a top five, six, seven, eight pick. And then once you're outside of that range, there's really not a lot of enthusiasm for this class because where it's strong in that like end of the first area, right? That like everything from pick eight to pick thirty-two, where it's strong in terms of quality of talent is non-premium positions tight end and running back, right? The, the one exception is, is corner, where I think right. the, the corner class is really, really strong. There's some excitement for the edge class, depending on who you talk to, but everybody's got a different guy that they like. And so it's more so like a mess than it is like a, woo, we got a bunch of real dudes. You know what I'm saying? There's um, like, like every year, somebody says, this is a great draft to have a pick between like 25 and 65. That happens, <laughs> this happens every, literally every year. Every yeah. single year that's said, this is, they'll say that this year, but I don't think that's the case this year. I don't think that's how the NFL really feels. I think that this is not a, a strong class at the top. The other thing that everyone says every single year is next year's class is better. Yep. And so I think there is a little bit of, I don't know what the you know psychological expression is, but it's like grass is always greener or like next year's going to be better. I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah. there. I, I do think that that tends to happen every year. Um, the main thing as Solak like laid out, there's just not a lot of blue chip players in this class. Like there is not surefire, like no doubt, superstar type players in this class and even guys are even starting to like doubt you know like Will Anderson um, and now Jalen Carter has you know this arrest and these issues going on and so um, I think that's the reason this the perception is this class isn't that good I will say I kind of like am not really on board completely with that sentiment I actually like this class and when you look at it from the NFL revolves around the passing game the class the, the positions that I think are pretty good or deep are quarterback corner edge and tight end all in the passing game. Like all these are all passing game. Talk to positions. me about edge. I, I don't think edge is necessarily elite because there's only, I think there's two guys or there's one guy certainly in the top 10. I think you could probably count Terry Wilson as a top 10 guy too. Texas Tech, massive person, pterodactyl. Right. 86 so, inch wingspan. Would be for, like one of the biggest defensive ends in the entire league if he goes. Yeah. And, which 86 inch wingspan, by the way, because I know you get mad at me when I just say well, wingspan. No one knows how long their arms okay. are supposed to be. So it's like seven. Your, how, how tall your is wingspan that is roughly on average your height. Right, your wingspan is usually about as big as your height is, give or take. Right, eighty-six inch wingspan, seven foot two inch wingspan, big fella. That's all. That's I mean, like, it's like an NBA well, eighty-six, yeah. right? Seven feet. Everyone knows that off the top of their head. Yeah, seven times twelve is eighty-four, and then you add two. He's a math guy. Math. I'm not. He's a physics major. <laughs> so, 
86 inches, which is seven foot two, which is a more regular thing to say than 86 <laughs> inches. That's his wingspan. That plus being 6'6", plus being true 270, like that's a big fella. Yeah. So yeah. But Tyree is old and is coming off of a foot right, injury. Right. Like for me, like I can't get fully there with my chest. I understand. Yeah. I, I understand that. And I think you could, you could probably make you can nitpick about all these guys. Miles Murphy, maybe the production and Clemson. Miles Murphy from Clemson. Thank you, Hyvitz. You uh, um, you see Miles Murphy's hand size today? What is it? Half Eight. my job's reminding you guys that nobody has any idea who these people are. <laughs> Eight and a half inches. Oh. Boys, boys wow, got, Kenny Pickett. Boy. Boys got Kenny Pickett hands at defensive end. <laughs> what? No, wait, there? really? Eight how big, and a half inches. Is five. that what Pickett had? Pick, Pickett was he's like straight six eight. five. Pickett was like eight, right? He was like eight, eight, eight flat, eight and a quarter. I can't remember. Eight, off my hands head. are bigger yeah. than he's six foot five. Yes. That's interesting. Yes. Is this like body shaming? Yes. Kind of. Nora's but, like emphatically. Nora's here yeah. and she's emphatically like, but yeah, again, that's really mean. Right. This is also a draft. Remember, we were like, we don't do these anymore. Yeah, we also <laughs> do body shaming anymore. But that's what goes on in the draft. Right. So, okay. You have. Uh, Miles Murphy's hands are too small. You have Will McDonald, who's sub 240 he's pounds. He's too small overall. Yeah, exactly. He's out of Iowa State. Ha ha, I beat you. Uh, so he's like a potential first round guy, but he's, he's too thin. You have... Um, Keon Wyatt from Georgia Tech. Yeah, okay, he's big, but Lucas he's old. Lucas Van Ness and from Iowa. Lucas Van Ness, who's enormous. 11-inch hands. Think about a piece of paper. <laughs> think about the long... Great. Think about the long side of a piece of paper. Pinky to thumb, that's what Lucas Van Ness can do. <sighs> they call him Hercules, all right? This guy's an unbelievable build. You watch his film... It just doesn't know how to play the position yet. So everybody, Nolan, there's caveats for every. Nolan every Smith player. is too small yeah. out of Georgia, right? BJ Ojolari is, is is an incomplete poor production out of LSU. Like, yeah, but how often are there perfect players? Okay. I guess is the question. I just I'm just saying there's a lot of names at edge rusher. Yeah, who are you setting your watch to? Right, right. like here's a, here's a name we were just watching him two seconds ago. Tuli Tuli Pelotu yeah. out of USC. Yeah, I love him. He's got a great film. He's solid. Nobody brings him up because we have all these all these like theories. We have all these like half baked ideas at edge right now. I don't think that constitutes a strong class and because it constitutes a, a class with individuals in it. There's just a lot of guys that graduated playing pass rusher. Yeah. I don't know. Like three years from now, we going to remember BJ Ojolari? We going to remember Lucas Van Ness? I'm not sure we will. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I think actually talking through it now and, and I think this is the reason that there's perception here that it's not a very good class is because I'm guessing everyone that talks, like anybody that's talking to anybody this week has a different opinion on like how to stack yes. all these guys at the crucial, you know, premium positions, whether it's receiver, um, quarterback, edge rusher, offensive tackle, you know, there's probably just really widely disparate rankings of all these guys, which says there's, yeah. you know, there's no consensus. So therefore people don't like this class. But yeah. I think that is the overall vibe. The one exciting part, can we talk about the tight ends? Because I, I got to tell you, I feel like I've, it's just been so long since there was actually excitement about tight ends. I know. Great tight end class. We're feeling it. There's the year the <laughs> Noah Fant came out of Iowa and then TJ Hawkinson was like the combo meal. And honestly, fans have been super disappointing and Hawkinson's like finally fine. But like, who was the other tight end in that class? There was one other one that was really good. There was that class, and then there was the Dave, uh, there was the OJ Howard, David, and Joku Evan Ingram class, yeah. Yeah. in which and Joku it, as, actually is like panning out. I feel yeah, okay, like. but yeah. like, Ingram how, how many years later, tag, man? It's like it takes. Don't tell me like about Evan Ingram. Yeah. Anyway, give me the elevator pitch mm -hmm. on a few of these good tight ends. What is the last time there was draft class with the tight ends as good as the top three or four in this year? How long do you have to go back? So I mean, I don't know. That's a good question. All right, so I've I'm, heard ten years. I, I've heard this is the best class in ten years. I haven't actually like researched. Yeah. There was a the uh, level of it, but was it DJ who said that yeah. there's going to be like Daniel Jeremiah 15 of NFL tight, Network? Yeah, 15 tight ends. <laughs> As opposed to the DJ I that's on the, the show. Solak and Kelly like translator. Yeah. I feel like DJ. He's the happy translator, not yeah. the not the angry translator. angry translator. The other tight end in the Noah Fan TJ Hawkins class, by the way, was Irv Smith. That's who it was. Oh, Alabama. Yeah. That hasn't worked so out. So that was much, three but. tight ends taken top 50. Uh, when Ingram and Joku and OJ Howard came out, which if memory serves was 27. 
15. That would yeah. make sense, right? Because Ingram's on the fifth-year option, right? Yeah. Um, uh, that class was three tight ends in the first round. I would be, at this point, I would expect we get three tight ends in the first round. I'd probably set the over-under at two and a half, but I would I would juice it pretty heavily to the over. Yeah. Uh, Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame. Dalton Kincaid out of Utah. Darnell Washington out of uh, Georgia. Well, so this is the perfect time. You mentioned those three guys because DK yeah. has updated his NFL draft guide, the Ringer's NFL draft guide, with scouting reports by none other than Danny Kelly. It's an update. Whoa. Norway, you're here. Are you good at now sounds? Will you do an air horn? Wow. That was a false end. That was sick. Wow. Wow. Look at you. Talents. I can't believe you got on a scooter today with the bird. With a cup of coffee. <laughs> with Nora, a bird. With those air horn. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. All right. Uh, DK has NFLDraft.TheRemary.com. Yeah. It's the best draft guide that there is. And you added a bunch <laughs> like of players. Said that. It's true. It's so, the greatest draft guide that there is. It's true, though. And so you, the tight ends are the best part of this guide because you have, <laughs> you have Michael Mayer, who's the Notre Dame uh, tight end. Mm-hmm. And you have his comparisons. You have shades of. That's your comparisons for yeah, player yeah. comparisons. You have he, he, Michael Mayer's like Heath Miller, right. the Steelers tight end, or that berserker from Helm's Deep in Lord of the Rings who carries <laughs> the torch to blow up the castle and keeps fighting. <laughs> with the, he keeps getting shot with arrows and he's like, Wah. That's him in the red zone. That's yeah. Michael Mayer? Yeah. yeah. That's what he does in the red zone, pretty much. You just, you just you know, he's, he's strong as hell. He's incredible at contest. Like, he's maybe like the best contested catch player ever. Like, <laughs> Wait, like what? potentially he's just, I just really like that. He's kind of, he's going to be essentially like a quarterback's best friend. I'm not necessarily calling him the most athletic or twitchy guy, but he's big, strong. I think he's relatively smooth as a route runner and he's just dominant at the catch point. He just absolutely boxes guys out. Well, he's overpowers the best contested catch player ever. So. He has vice grip hands. Like he is incredibly <laughs> strong. I originally was going to say he turns into Mike Allstott after the catch, but then I went with the berserker from Helm's Deep. <laughs> um, he just absolutely, he just looks to like absolutely run people over in the open field. And he's just big and huge and he's just a big meaty tight end. He's also really handsome. He, he, he looks, like he's like straight out of like central casting, like a football player. Yeah. Like he's, Google. Will Levis posted another video this morning of him eating a banana with the peel on. and He's shirtless, <laughs> he's shirtless in a hot tub and I'm like, We'll have to go one overall. <laughs> you know what we need to do? Every, you know, next year's guide. Because one of the reasons you really should go to NFLDraft.TheRamer.com is like there are all these badges on and they're incredible. And like it's just it's a very great visual guide with all like the actual traits. Next year we need to add Blue Mountain State. Like because Will Levis and Michael Mayer could just be characters in Blue Mountain State. Like it's mm-hmm. true. You're right. Like central casting. Yeah. He looks he looks exactly like a football player. Um, so yeah, there's that guy. I think he's my number one. I think... This is another class where it depends on the type of tight end that you want. Like, Michael Mayer is a classic Y tight end. He can block. He can line up in what line. What does that mean? He can block. He can line up in line. Okay. He can use on all three downs. Hyphus <laughs> 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 is, he's just defaulting to the making me translate. And I, well, I appreciate that. Y tight that. end, yes. that's a very football term. No, like, there are different kinds of tight but ends As you were asking, <laughs> what is Y tight end mean? He was saying, it means he's in line, he can block. And so then once you said, well, what's a Y tight end? He went, well, he's in line, he can block. <laughs> no, I know. I just want to cl- there are different kinds of tight ends within yeah. that they draft. Yeah. They so it's at- a, the Y is a designation from like playbooks, but essentially it just means he's West Coast big, offense. strong. He's essentially a hybrid between a tackle and a pass catcher. And he is just the classic big, huge guy who can block. Um, Dalton Kincaid is my second ranked tight end. And yeah, he, he I is need, a huge riser. I need help on this one. I really, really like him. I just think he is, he's the classic quote unquote F tight end, which is a yeah. move guy. He's not going to be at, like lining up a line of scrimmage. He actually gets rocked when he tries to block. Like he yep. genuinely he is, is not a good blocker. 
Um, um, hold on. In, in your guide, are yeah, you going to ask the I same ask. question? Yes, exactly. Yeah. I want to ask the question and then I want to make a prediction. Because <laughs> for the comparison, same. you have shades of, I don't even want to say it, but I'm thinking it. Yeah. I think the thing you don't even want to say, but you're thinking is Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I was thinking the same. <laughs> yeah. You don't even want to I wanted to, to just Kelsey. like plant the seed. I'm not saying he's Travis Kelsey. This is the problem with making comps no. is everyone gets that's, mad. But, but that's what's it's on like, the elite. Let's comp it to the best player, because you, the best tight end of all time. You or said whatever. right there, you're like, I'm not saying he's Travis Kelsey. And that's correct, because you don't even have Travis Kelsey pinned <laughs> down. If you're a comparison, you have literally, quote, I don't even want to say it, but I'm thinking it. <laughs> Dude, which so is meta. such a good way to do it. <laughs> that's so meta where it's like I draft comparison. It. It's like, I'm not even going to tell you. Like It's like, wow, now I really want to know. I'm really thinking it. I just, my comp for him is that because I actually think he just moves a lot like Kelsey, just the way, like, very smooth. I've always said that Kelsey looks like he's pretending he's surfing when he's running around. Oh um, my God, that's amazing. And it's just his body control, his ability to cut on a dime, <laughs> run yeah. after the catch. Um, he also is very intuitive and, and you know, instinctive in terms of, like, finding the open area in zones and things like that. He, in the country, he he trailed only Brock Bowers in receiving and receiving touchdowns. Among tight ends? Yeah. Yeah. Among so tight ends. Here's <laughs> Sorry. my question yes. when you say that. Why did Travis Kelsey go in the third round? And like, why did... Different like, era. Yeah. You couldn't draft 245-pound tight ends back in 2016, 15? Kelsey? 14? And older, older, right? He's like remember. over 30 He's like 30-something. Yeah, 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 2013, 2012. He was 2013, yeah. Anymore. Yeah. To be fair, he's the first pick of the third round, I think. Yeah. But like, he was 6'5", 256, which Dalton Kincaid is uh, listed true 240. He's, he's much smaller. We so haven't gotten big, an official yeah. measurement for Dalton Kincaid yet, but I... If there are first-round tight ends who have been selected who are sub-240, there are very few of them, and they were a very long time ago. You do not see guys this light go this early. But if there's an era in which it's going to happen, if there's a direction we're trending, it's in this direction, where, like, Kincaid will be taken on the, the concept, not that he's playing tight end, but on the concept that he will be the primary pass catcher right. for a team that needs size. Like I think about like the like the Giants right now, right? The Giants would love to get an X receiver. Just like a real like like Isaiah Hodgins is solid, like a real like dominant receiver, three levels, can run everything, can do everything. That guy doesn't exist in this class. Wide receiver class, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jordan mm. Addison, Quentin Johnson, they all got holes in their in their repertoire. A lot of smalls in this class. So if I'm like, I've got 110 targets to give out this year, and I don't know who to give them to. And I go and I look at this draft class, and I watch Dalton Kincaid, who was running skinny posts out of the slot for Utah. I start going, yeah. I, can take, I can take a 240 tight end. I'm exactly. Saying, I'm never going to put him in line. And, and, and that's not what really he's getting somewhere. That's yeah. not what he's good at at all. Now we're really getting somewhere because the we're really getting somewhere now. We are, but the whole thing <laughs> with the receivers in this year's class is like there's Quentin Johnson who's like big. a big traditional outside receiver, and all the other guys are like, cool, you're good slots. And in Small. reality, what you're saying is like. Forget the the mm -hmm. words, word, receiver, yeah. tight end, He's wide. a pass catcher. It's like, of the pass yeah. catchers, they can look at the tight end class as like, here's the size. And, on the and, the, and a big part about it, I think that's important to clarify when we talk about big receivers versus small receivers. A lot of times people hear big receivers and think, okay, like down the field, catching balls above the rim, elevating, right? Jumping up and catching balls that are high in the air. Small receivers in the slot, catching stuff that's underneath because they don't have to elevate. But one of the things that's also really valuable in, in this Shanahanized NFL is catching over the middle of the field. Mm. And you can catch over the middle of the field and be small, right? You can be like a Tyler Lockett and do it. But think about how Tyler Lockett gets the ball and immediately goes down, right? You know, the, 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 oh the, my those, God, yeah. those clips of He's Lockett. in career preservation yeah, mode exactly. at this point. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to be a, if you're gonna be a middle of the field target, you have to be willing to live with the idea of being hit. You're going to take on a lot of contact. And so like a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba, for example, the receiver out of Ohio State, 
Played over the middle of the field a lot. Not super big. He's willing to take on contact, though. He's a tough son of a gun. Yeah. It's like, that's encouraging. But if you're worried about his size, holding up with all those hits over the middle of the field on the NFL level, and then you watch Dalton Kincaid, who's just a huge target, who takes body shot after body shot after body shot. What was the game he had, like, 14 catches in? I think it was Incredible USC. Game. USC, yeah. yeah. He's just getting hammered over the middle of the field. He's banged up. He's going to the sideline. He's coming back in. You go, all right. Just we a wanna, baller. If we want to live in the middle of the field, and we're worried about these smaller receivers... I go get us a Dolan Kincaid, and we're we're gonna feel really good about his physicality working over the middle of the field. We're gonna feel good about that big target taking those hits. I think this guy has a paradoxical like the connotation now is weird, but Kyle Pitts is 245 pounds for the record. Like he went fourth overall and had a thousand yards as a rookie. Yeah. I'm not saying that Kincaid is on the level of Kyle Pitts, and I know some people are like disappointed in yeah. Kyle Pitts because I'll tell you last who, year wasn't great. But I'll tell you who the Kyle Pitts is people. in this class. Yeah, it's that's Luke, a good segue. It's, it's Luke Musgrave. Yes, I watched Musgrave. Last week, Oregon State. <laughs> you you we're just saw my expression yeah. and you were like, <laughs> it's like, yeah. Luke Musgrave out of context sounds like a country singer. Here's I'm going to Luke Musgrave. Totally. He's opening for Luke Bryan. <laughs> the other reason uh, I was I was excited to say it's from Oregon State because I love the Beavers. Go Beefs. Luke Musgrave. Go Beefs. <laughs> yeah. Nora just uh, cringed uh, at that one. Go Beefs, baby. <laughs> no, don't do it again. We might have to bleep that out. Like <laughs> That's what they say. That's legitimately what they say. Musgrave played two games this past season. He's mm -hmm. been banged up progressively over the course of his career. He's got massive injury red flags. Not my job to figure that out. I'm on a podcast. <laughs> six. Thank you. Yeah. Six, six, 250 plus, And the athleticism is so evident. And it's also, they, yeah. they, they, like he was at the Senior Bowl. They charted him on like, like the MPH and like the Zebra oh, right. Sports tracking and he was moving faster and accelerating more than all the receivers were. He was, uh, didn't he, he went over 20 miles per hour, yeah, yeah, which yeah. has, as I don't a, know if it's happened from a tight end. As a straight line athlete, there's a chance that Musgrave's running low four fives while carrying 250 plus. Uh, and he's got length to him. He's got catch radius to him. He's got wiggle to him. He can drop his hips. He can move. He can make a guy miss. Like he can run legitimate routes. Like if we're talking about, like, <laughs> Nora's like, Nora's yeah. just nodding yeah. her head. Yeah. Hell yes. I yes. think Michael Mayer is like, okay, good, solid athlete. Great, good athlete for playing the Y, playing the inline. Nice. Dalton Kincaid, built to play F, solid athlete to play F. Both these guys are athletically what we need them to be. Cool. And then you watch Musgrave and you go, this guy can like run away from dudes. Right. Like this guy up the seam is like the safety won't catch him. Like On this, crossers and yeah. seams, he's like, he's they can't ke keep up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And they run some of that like outside zone play action sort of stuff that you see in the NFL and you see proof of concept. Like, oh, you get this guy the ball while he's on the move. Think like George Kittle in that Niners offense. Yep. And he breaks one tackle and then he can like open. Like he can open his stride and go. Mm -hmm. And he's like, if there's going to be a guy who, who I don't want to say tests like Pitts because Pitts tested like a unicorn. But if there's a guy who tests like Pitts, Luke Musgrave. And I wouldn't be surprised if we get three tight ends. I think Kincaid and Mayer for sure. I brought up Darnell Washington earlier out of Georgia, but if I had to guess who the third first round tight end is, right now I'd guess Musgrave. So to continue our groundbreaking Lord of the Rings comparison with these guys, if Michael Mayer is the guy who like carried the torch to the bomb and like yeah. got through the arrows, Luke Musgrave is the guy that they send up the ladder and just starts like wrecking all the guys because like the kid will... He, he hasn't Luke Musgrave is a guy who runs fast in a straight line. I've seen the Lord of the Rings movies. <laughs> oh, I'm a nerd. So he's the guy, you know, and he kills yeah. uh, like Loss's brother or something. You know, he kills Dude. what? Like Loss's brother, whatever. Spoiler: He like kills the other elf Dude. archer. Luke Musgrave <laughs> is the guy in the Lord of the Rings movies who runs <laughs> fast in a straight line. Whoever that is for you, that's which guy he is. <laughs> yeah, he's the horse. <laughs> These shadow Nora, facts. Nora, Nora said it. Goodness. Nora nailed it that time. Um, shadow. The other thing, so. This Musgrave is the poster boy, and this is something that's come up actually a couple of times during GM and coach interviews of multi-sport athletes and coaches love yeah. guys that have experience. Do we want to play the guess the sports Luke Musgrave played game? Because it's hilarious. 
So he played he played four total sports in high school. He is from uh, uh, I want to say Western Oregon. He's from he's from some of the Pacific yeah, Northwest. I can't remember. Just for context of like what he could possibly play. Go ahead and guess. Like the, what the books Luke aren't even taking bets on basketball. Okay. He obviously played basketball. Okay. Where's he from? No, I don't know if he did. No, he didn't. What? I was going to let him keep it going, wasn't. Danny. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. He's from Bend, by the way. Okay. This Bend is what Bend. I want. I literally want this. I no longer want to be notified when tight ends played basketball. I want you to tell me when they didn't. This is exactly so he did not play basketball. Why? Because he was too busy being a uh, too busy dominating national alpine skier. Yeah. What? Slo- uh, uh, moguls. Well, uh, yes, yeah, sl- like at the slalom and alpine. I don't know what it means. No, I, I, we need. We really need Nora on this pod. <laughs> moguls, maybe. I think it really was really good or hips. slalom. Really good hips, which you can tell when he runs routes. He knows how to drop his hips. He's got fluidity, baby. Those adductors fire. Do you know what moguls are? Yes, yeah, the bumps. Yeah, no, it is the bumps. It's so the, that's why the hips have to be fluid because yeah. you're going zoop zoop zoop. Right. You're going in. I just them. I've heard I've heard that he was an alpine <laughs> skier. Zoop zoop. I've heard that he was an alpine skier. I know DK is in the drive. The 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 uh, draft guy that he was a slalom skier. I don't really know the difference too much. All I know is very very successful skier, mm-hmm. lacrosse player. All yeah. right, and then track star. And, and then track jump star, and triple jump. That track star is going to show up. The jumps are extremely valuable to, in terms of, of generating explosive momentum, generating uh, explosive movement. Like Again, like Nora brought up hips and like I talk about hips sometimes and you guys make fun of me. He really <laughs> understands how to unlock power from his core, from his trunk. He knows how to use his <laughs> hips. He knows how to foot bend through his hips. Musgrave's the sort of guy where like, I don't have the medicals in front of me. I don't know if I'd, you know, risk it for the biscuit with his medicals. With that well, said, that might be why he drops a little. Yes. Yeah. Did he get hurt in college? When I, he only played yeah. two games last year because he had a knee yeah. injury. If you made me guess right now of the three tight ends, you say, like, hey, one of these guys is a Hall of Fame career, I'd be very tempted to take Musgrave. Right. Just in terms of how high the ceiling is with the way the guy moves. Mm-hmm. He's really, really special also, to watch. Also, like, he's not a great blocker, but he can block. And I think he need, like I think he's... He's got functional he's, mass and yes. length. He can get in a guy's way. And, and so that, way, that means he could probably be, like I said earlier, a wide tight end, a guy that plays on all three downs. He's not going to give away you know, schematic tendencies or anything like that. So teams are going to really like this guy. And I know that they already do. Like, there's a lot of buzz about him. I'm glad this became a tight end pod. Um, Great class. We yes. didn't even get to our guy, Darnell Washington, who's the like, little LeBron not, James Terminator. Yes, and we've talked about Georgia. him on, a, on previous pods. Georgia. He's just a huge, huge guy. Some teams might even see him as a tackle. Um, what? But he's, yeah, like, what they might see say? him as a developmental tackle. Like, put on some weight. <laughs> Jason never. Peters. Yeah. What? So Jason Peters was going to be a tight end? Yeah. He's great. He played. Did he play eighteen years or whatever? Uh, yeah. I mean, like, like a decade and a half, easy. But he was like a Hall of Famer. He was a tight end out of Arkansas, and then they transferred him to being a tackle in the NFL. I feel like they get tackle going to move to guard. I, tight end to tackle. Well, he was just such an enormous body, right? Again, like, so he can't catch. Well, but no. But just think about like, uh, when like if a guy's frame, every dude's frame has. A, a natural, reasonable amount of mass that it, it should sustain. It has like a, an optimal point of like it's how like it should be built. equilibrium, right? Right? Like think about it. Like I'm like 5'7", a buck 70, a buck 60, excuse me. Whoa. <laughs> uh, you could have another guy here who's 5'70", a buck 60 and we just carry our mass in different places. Broader shoulders, narrower hips. I think that you and I, we yeah. carry our mass in different places. So, I think that's fair to say. <laughs> you look at a guy like a, like a Darnell Washington or a Jason Peters and just in, in watching him move and evaluating how he moves, you might look and say like, this guy's body just makes more sense holding 20 more pounds, holding mm. 30 more pounds, and being a tackle, right? Lane Johnson was a, a, a high school quarterback who then went to ta- tight end and then went to tackle. As you're finishing growing and you're entering your early 20s, your body recomposes. And a lot of times that 
doesn't necessitate a position switch, but it becomes intuitive for a position switch. Right. So it's been talked about with Darnell Washington. I think the Leafs are going to try him at tight end first, but it's something that's been discussed. It would be more fun if he was a tight end. I'll yeah. put it that way. Is this um, happened at the same time that when my body like recomposed in my early 20s, it was like, okay, no more cheese. Yes. You know, it's you like know, you can't drink no, anymore. No, but legitimately, yeah. yes. Like the freshman 15 for college, right? Where people go and like their meta- as they get older, their metabolism slows. Like, you know, your bodies are changing. When you're in that age, your body is still changing. So that's why these guys are still like, like, you know, uh, uh, Donald Parham, the tight end for the Chargers. He's six foot eight, right? He was at Stetson University. Why? Because when he went to college, he was six one. Right, That's Carson so Wentz. Why did he end up at North yeah. Dakota State? Because yeah, yeah. he was growing randomly, super late. How much did Wentz grow in college? I, I think it was like end of high school. He started growing a lot, but he was like small, small. He was like sub six foot, and then he ended up being six five. Like, wow. We got to remember that these are young dudes who are still like becoming what they are. All right. Well, perfect segue. Uh, what about the quarterbacks? Again, NFLDraft.TheRinger.com, DK's Draft Guide. Uh, DK, right now, you got Bryce Young, your top quarterback, mm-hmm. and you've got C.J. Stroud, Ohio State, Anthony Richardson at Florida, Will Levis out of Kentucky, and we've talked about these guys, but I want to really just give some context. So we're Thursday afternoon, tomorrow, when's Bryce Young getting measured? Tomorrow? Friday? Tomorrow. Friday morning. Yeah. First of all, my only actual goal for this whole week is I just want Bryce Young to stand next to Ben Solak so we can actually see, like, <laughs> for our own our, eyes. We've been, like, running I, around yeah. trying to find him, yeah. but uh, I'll start wandering the halls <laughs> with so the camera crew. I kind of wanted to give, like, a, a real comparison, Craig always is really good at this. Of just like, okay, but where are these guys in terms of the last few quarterback classes? Yeah. So you throw these names around it, but what does it mean? And I was wondering if DK, could you start and just kind of be like, all right, how good Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Richardson, Will Levis in the context of like the last five draft classes is right. all these quarterbacks were for whatever reason as prospects, not who they are now as prospects mm-hmm. in this draft, where would they rank? I'm going to assume Trevor Lawrence is like the first quarterback. Yeah. And I'm just like, where do these guys come in? I would put it into tiers. Like the tiers for me in terms of how I had these guys ranked and and graded or whatever at the time and trying not to do too much like, you know, hindsight. I'd say Trevor Lawrence. Josh Allen was like extremely divisive. Right, right, right. I would say Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow, I I thought were really, really good prospects. The next tier would be like. tier one. Yeah. And then Mm -hmm. like I'd have like Kyler Murray, Justin Fields, Bryce Young, Tua. CJ Stroud and Justin Herbert kind of like in that next tier. I don't know. What do you think, Ben? Like, is that like in the ballpark? Yeah. So for me, the blue chip grades that I've given out over the last four years, so guys have actually finished grading. Blue chip is the best possible grade I can give out. Okay. Well, I was going to, because you said blue chips earlier. I was wondering just in terms of bad class with them and off the top, is that no superstar ceiling or just like, I can't point at that guy and be like, he's a starter. The phrase comes from when they used to just make draft boards, like in, in draft war rooms, right before they had like digital boards and the ability to like type things. And they would have little blue stickers. They color And when, it, when a guy was, this is a dude we take at 1-1. One, one, one. This is a guy we would take at the top of the class, right? This is as, as good as it's going to get. But is that in gets. terms of he can be great and might be bad or just like he won't be bad? He'll yep. be average and maybe great. No. That's a separate conversation. Okay. Yeah, that's like this that's is, bus. This is yeah. when we sit down on April 24th to get ready for the first day of the draft on April 26th or whatever. Who are the guys that we... Like this is this is the elite group. This is the top group. These are the rarefied heirs, right? This is the guys that will be talked about. They'll be perennial pro bowlers, whatever. Like cool. whether it's like because they're safe or because they have high ceilings, whatever it is, those guys got blue stickers. They were blue chip players, cool, right? And so blue chip grades for me that I've given out, which is like the top tier of my grading, are Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Joe Burrow. Those are the three that I've given out over the last four years. I had an early round one grade on just Tua. And then I had mid first round grades on Justin Herbert, Z- uh, Trey Lance, and Zach Wilson. Those are the, and that's seven total players I've given out. Where first was Kyler? 
Rushing guards. Oh, uh, Kyler was a late one. Gotcha. Kyler was a late one with, with Zach Wilson. So those are the eight players for whom I've given out first round grades. Um, I haven't finished grading this class. I won't for a bit uh, in terms of the quarterback position. I would guess I end up with four first round grades. I would say very confidently I'll have no blue chip grades. Mm-hmm. So I would say that no, so no blue chip grades. Yeah, yeah, for There's sure. Too many question marks. So remind right? you, read that list yeah. again of the blue chip so guys the, that you're like definitively yeah. better than these four. I've given blue chips out to Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Joe Burrow as prospects. Uh, the next uh, closest guy to me, the next tier is Tua, who I gave an early first round grade to. If anybody's going to get an early first, maybe Bryce, but that's really like that's on mm-hmm. film. I don't know how like that would even remotely look okay, in terms but, of the height Tua, and the weight. What about Bryce Young versus Kyler? Like who is better? Bryce is a better player, but Kyler Kyler's bigger. Kyler came in at, oh, this guy's really small. Bryce is coming in at, oh, this guy might be debilitatingly, unacceptably, right. this is not functionally small. Um, Bryce better prospect than Kyler was. Um, I think Bryce is a better prospect than, than I saw from Kyler, than I saw from Trey Lance, than I saw from Justin Herbert, than I saw from Zach Wilson. I think that Levis is probably in that Wilson tier. I think that like Stroud, I really, really like Stroud's film. Stroud will grade out higher than me, I would imagine, than Zach Wilson did, Trey Lance did, and Justin Herbert did. And then Richardson, I imagine, will be in that Herbert, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance area. That makes a lot of sense for him in terms of the project that he is. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing I have, if I have four first-round grades, which right now I guess I do, they're all in the back half. None of them are going to be blue-chip prospects like can't the miss. way that yeah. Lawrence was, Burrow was, Justin Fields was, for me personally. And that jives with what I've been saying about this class previously. I like them all. I don't love anybody, but I like them all. Just to put it in like a like a stylistic category, like I would say Anthony Richardson and Levis are in the boom bust category that like mm-hmm. Zach Wilson and Trey Lance were in, like where mm. the traits are really enticing and exciting, but there's a lot of variance in terms of like whether they could like completely bust or they could be elite. You know what I mean? Like there's a really high bust factor there. And so boomer bust. So I would, I put that one in the, in the same type of category. I see what you're saying because Anthony Richardson, and Zach Wilson, I mean, just as they, they don't have much in common, like Anthony Richardson is huge. Right. And yep. fast, and Zach Wilson's like very small, but they have the same. Like Richardson and Wilson are both. I look at like where would Jack Wilson have been drafted if Patrick Mahomes didn't exist? Are we just trying to find Mahomes again and force it? Where is Richardson going to be drafted if Josh Allen never existed? And we were yep. all. Are we overcorrecting? Well, Josh Allen, we missed that. Are we going to do Richardson? And then also Richardson has the Trey Lance thing of like how many passes did this guy throw totally. in college? Exactly. Yep. At the time at which they got him this this staff pre, like that got him for this year he had like 40 career completions or something like that like you know what i'm saying like he had just barely played so he's a little bit further along than trey lance was a little bit further along than josh allen was in my opinion not as far as long as like a justin fields was like a kyler murray was you talk about like high athlete players he's in terms of like preparedness he's between those tiers for me um i was talking with somebody uh about him yesterday and like the i get the same thing so talk about uh, anthony about, richardson okay I get the same thing from everybody I talk to. He's further along than people think. Mm-hmm. He's not there, but he's further along than people think. So when you say that, you're basically saying, because I feel like, for lack of a better example, the ability to, that, that he has to not, like move the pocket subtly, like Brady or Breeze, where he can just step sidestep a guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sidestep a guy, not leave and bail. Like, love Jalen Hurts, but like even he kind of bails the pocket a lot. Like, sidestep. Keep your eyes downfield. Yeah, and like yep. sidestep, like Mark Sanchez could never do. Like, sidestep the pocket, like defender, and like still keep guys. That's yeah. a, that's like kind of one of the number one things you look for in a yeah. quarterback who like isn't developed, but right. he is. I think I saw, and this is a good example of it. I, I'm pretty sure I saw that he had one of the lowest pressure to sack ratios, which means that the pressures turn into sacks less often than most of the other quarterbacks in this class. In other words, he can slide around, move around, evade pressure and make something yeah. happen and not take a sack. And oftentimes, 
when he was pressured, it was his fault <laughs> because he was screwing around back there. He was holding the ball for too long because they had a solid offensive line. And so that's the sort of stuff where, where your scrambling quarterbacks are always going to invite pressure, but also because they're the ones inviting it, they're going to be really good at avoiding it because they know it's coming as opposed to like a pocket passer who like his tackle gets beat. He's not ready for it. Right. And he gets CJ shrouded. You know what I'm saying? That's okay. the concern you have with CJ. We're recording this Thursday afternoon. Quarterbacks Thursday are going afternoon. over the weekend. What are you guys most looking for? Like of all the quarterbacks, what's the most important thing other than Bryce Young being 200 pounds in a completely meaningless way and where mm. he's just bulking and where he will not do any athletic events yep. and then go back down to his weight to be a quarterback other than Bryce Young being so like size. What is yep. the one thing this weekend that you're most paying attention to the quarterback. Stroud better be perfect throwing the ball because Stroud... <laughs> that's his thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's that, his thing. That's He's it. a like, really good thrower. Yeah. yeah, he has to look better, more accurate than Levis. He has to look more accurate than Richardson, especially because, uh, he, like, you know, these some throws are going to demand high velocity. They're going to demand, like, fastballs, right? Balls that have a low arc. You have to throw them with a lot of speed. And Richardson and Levis are both pretty good at that. Some of these throws demand touch. They demand placement. And that's where both Levis and especially Richardson are deficient. Richardson right. is a one-speed pitcher right now. Stroud's got he, four pitches. Yeah, exactly. Richardson is a high school prospect who throws 95, but he has no idea. He doesn't have a changeup. He, has, he, has, he has no slider, no curves. He has nothing. He's just throwing gas. Uh, and so Stroud... <laughs> Has a, a much, you know, we're going to get, you know, fancy, much more developed palate. Oh, <laughs> up past this much more developed thrower. Um, he's got, so he's got to look that way. That's important to him. Levis is, I think, like, you know, Levis, it's beat Richardson. Look more accurate than Richardson, right? Like you, you can kind of balance that line between being a project and also having some development to you. If Richardson can show that he can throw off speed, right, that he can throw right. stuff with touch, take a little bit off Feather of it. it. Because if he's just throwing as fast as he typically has to receivers who aren't used to him, it's going to be like the Josh Allen combine. You remember? They, uh, Josh Allen at the throws senior, it real far, but... Jo Josh Allen at the senior bowl. <laughs> it was the senior bowl when Josh Allen came out. It was so annoying, Danny. Allen's out, right? And this class has like Baker, who's at the senior bowl, right? It's got Lamar. It's got Sam Darnold. It's got like, so many good players in it, yeah? And Allen comes out the first day and looks like terrible in the senior bowl, right? And the second practice, he looks a little bit better. But the receivers keep dropping his passes, right? And it's a, in large part because they're not super accurate. He's throwing them in weird places. They hit their hands, but they drop them. And then I think it was... DJ Daniel Jeremiah, but it was a lot of like the NFL, like the, the, the guys who are connected who are like, the reason why Josh Allen's receivers are dropping his passes is because he throws the ball so hard that they're not used to it <laughs> and it's hurting their hands. And this was at like the peak of Josh Allen myth-making stage. Yeah. And it was like, oh brother, come <laughs> on. But there is some veracity to that. We're like, Catchable if, Richardson, ball. if Richardson is just throwing like smoke all day, it's going to hit his receiver's hands and they're going to drop it because they're not used to it. So you have to throw catchable balls when you're out here in the combine. Or maybe Gen Z's just soft. His yeah. receivers. That I mean, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back sure when John Elway was throwing. I think it was Bill Walsh who said, like, it's one of the most important things is just throw a catchable ball. Like, it doesn't matter how it gets there. As long as it is catchable, that's important. We've so, all had a catch with someone who just was trying to flex their arm strength and just threw it too hard. You're like, dude, yeah. like, chill. It's going to be so fun. Yeah. To see Richardson throw though, because he's just a spe he's got he's got special arm talent, man. I can't yeah. wait. Dike, what are you most looking for among the uh, quarterbacks? The first thing that came to my mind was exactly what he said. Basically, Richardson and Levis, their accuracy in the short and intermediate. I know that's like not why we're so excited. We want to see him like you know really like open up and throw deep, but like his ability to like hit guys in stride and take something off of it, layer it. Richardson you know, or Levis, both, both. guys. Okay. They both have similar issues in terms of like accuracy. They they don't take enough off the pitch or whatever. I love the pitching Richardson thing. Is, That's I so think Richardson clarifying. is more mm -hmm. dramatic. Like, it, the, the difference between, like, his deep ball and, and, like, his short, like, passes, he'll just, like, gun a throw to the side, like, on a swing pass, and he needs to show that he can, like, have a little bit more accuracy, a little more touch, feather it, 
that way. I think that's going to be the important thing for teams. Otherwise, it's just going to be really fun to watch him throw. Like that to me is, yeah. you know, and run around and, and he's just an amazing yeah. athlete. Like there's whispers that he's going to yeah. The other thing for Richardson is the that, testing. Yeah. Like I heard somewhere that he's going to jump like 44 inches. We'll see about that. But like yeah. he's if, just a freakish athlete. If Richardson athlete, yeah. weighs 245 plus, which I think he will, and then jump verts over 40 inches, which like I think Cam he Newton. will. Maybe well. Yeah. yeah. There, when he runs his his little, you know, his little four five one or whatever he's going to run, and they do the simulcast with him just out sprinting Cam Newton, people are going to freak out. That would be a good clip for Twitter. That would be a good one. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud, or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. All right, let's get to two jargons and a lie. America's, America's favorite, favorite game. segment. <laughs> wow, shit. Oh, I messed it up. Yes. Wow, that was really good. Yeah, wow. Yesterday, when you said oh, no, it. we keep everything on yeah, this show. Yeah. Yesterday, <laughs> when you said it, because you say it every time, I was like, oh, it'd be funny if tomorrow I'd do that. And I've been thinking about it for 24 hours. And then you messed it up and ruined my I moment. I messed it up. That's America's wild. favorite segment. Um, got I got caught. one for you this week. Hit me, hit me. Since uh, you guys were very busy earlier today, so I scrolled through some of our options here. All right, so I really enjoyed the two Canadian towns in a lie that we had like a week Same. or two ago. Um, so Tom, Tommy. Tom, Tom brought us two Belgian towns in a lie. I don't know how many experts we have on Belgium here. Here's, well, well, here's we're sitting here with Nora. Nora, <laughs> yeah. are you a, are you a Belgium expert? I would not call myself an expert <laughs> on Belgium. Don't you speak French? Well, it's a different country. <laughs> but they speak, isn't they French? They speak some French they there. Share, yeah. They speak some French. They share a border. They share some history. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm down with Belgium. <laughs> if it's just let her, let her live, man. You right, just so need to know ex- with everything right, about Belgium. DK, let's go. If right. not one of them is Brussels, I'm in trouble. Here we go. <laughs> All right, here's the three. In no particular order. Ass. Good. What? A-S-S. Ham. Ham. And Silly. Silly, S L L Y. It would be like silly. Probably, yeah. Because you speak French. <laughs> so you know how the Belgian towns are pronounced. What about ass? <laughs> ass. <laughs> my, immediate, my immediate instinct is like, obviously ham is yes, because <laughs> Hamburg exists, so ham's going to exist. That much could not be more clear. Is it Hamburg? What? Is that French? Or is it German. German. Yeah, once again, yeah. Belgium... 
has shares some heritage. It's with generally Germany, in the area. It's in yeah, the area. exactly. It's Europe, you know. Okay, whatever. so I'm, I'm my first initial thought is ham for sure, and then after that, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I think Steely is definitely a town in Belgium. Ooh, yeah, you feel okay. good about that one? I kind of think ham might be yeah. fake. All right. Wait, you're missing the key point here, which is Nora. The the meta of this, the game within the yeah. game is: do our listeners respect us? Yeah, and do they think we're stupid? <laughs> putting <laughs> ass, putting <laughs> ass in as the, as the fake is bold. Like, they're yeah. like, I'm gonna put right. ass as a fake hey, place. Ass has to be real. No, the problem is that they're like, I'm gonna put it, and they won't guess it because they're dumb. That's the thing. If it was, if if Ham and Sally were the real ones, we overthink this. The third one would have been like chicken. You know what I'm saying? Like ass is out of nowhere. <laughs> I say ass is real, ham is real. I'm saying silly is fake. Final okay. answer for me. Okay. I think ham is fake. Wow. Hi, Fitz. Dude, ass is fake. Okay. The fake town is ass. Oh <laughs> my God. Let's go. He says they, they don't do respect you. They do not the, respect you. <laughs> Shocking. They do have a town called Asse, which I, I don't know how to pronounce it. A S S E, which is basically means ashes. Asse? Yeah. But he says, but I'm pretty sure a town called Ass would have changed its name years ago. Asse? I say on Belge. Wait, that was uh, Je ne sais quoi, ass. It <laughs> <laughs> oh, was Austin Powers. It's like bong in a blitz. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there you go. That is, uh, there's, no there's no town in Belgium called ass. Ham has got to be closer to the German border than the French border. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I feel I'm okay with that. I knew Ham was good, and then it was 50 50. I missed the coin flip. Peak Nora's interest on the geography of Belgium. So, yep. dude, Austin Fowers, when he's like, there's only two kinds of people I hate in this world people who are intolerant of other people's cultures and the Dutch. <laughs> A classic. It's not Belgium, but I just I <laughs> I realized that at the end. How are we going to, well, we actually, going to connect this? Ham is is very close to um, the Netherlands. Oh, there we go. Okay. Could you pull? Could <laughs> you? Could, could you? Could you put a pin in Belgium right now if I give you a map of Europe? I think so. Oh, I yes. could not. Uh, not, not even close. Not a chance. Not a I have chance. Been there technically. But you just you just go a little east of France. Could I put a pin in France? <laughs> yes, you could. I sure hope so. I could get Portugal and Spain. <laughs> could you get sure, to? Could sure. you? Could you? Could you do England? Yeah. Could you identify where the channel is? <laughs> you did not sound super confident. <laughs> England's you, a big you island. You Benjamin Solak, who can like do multiplication tables in record speed in your head. Eighty-six the inches, seven four. Not identify the location of the United Kingdom on I a map. Can, I can find Russia. <laughs> it's <been. laughs> it's <very good. laughs> Just point it's to the world. <laughs> Okay, I think that's going to be the end of the show. Um, thank you, everyone. Holy cow. Thank you, Danny Kelly. Thank you, Solak. Thank you, Nora. Thank you, Austin. Gail here for being the man. Thank you. <laughs> he, uh, he's just here. Thank you, Kai, for producing this episode. Thank you, Craig, for being here in spirit. I can't even imagine how ashamed Craig is if he's listening to this and he got ass wrong, too. Mm, he's going to oh. be very mad. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Lord. Lord. Thank you, Taylor Swift. Wait. Oh, yo, for Nora. Thank you. Tay <laughs> Tay. I know I have said Taylor Swift probably about five times now, but we just had to with Nora on the show. I'm honored. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening. The Ringer Fantasy. Oh, Ringer Fantasy Football. Ringer NFL Draft Show. Yes. It's confusing. That's a lot. Yeah. I did that. I'm sorry. I, I planted that seed. Really. All right. Goodbye, everyone. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, 
a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, Enter the Kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.